Hello, everyone, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor, thriving with stage four disease, and author of the book that shares the same name of this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great, but sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. I hope you've been able to catch our recent episodes, including one with veteran journalist and anchor, Sarah Cody, who shares stories and suggestions on how to navigate the news, knowing that it's stressful for so many of us. Or last week's episode with Bree Blank Alexander, who shares how she lost 150 pounds and gained lessons about hard work, determination, and self-love along the way. Now, if you've liked these episodes or others, please tell your friends and do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed. And now for this episode, I'm excited to introduce you to Courtney Ram, a dancer, holistic practitioner, mother, and first-time author of Eris Rising. This debut memoir is a deeply personal tell-all about falling for a highly manipulative and dangerous man who led her down a very dark path. Now, Courtney holds a warrior spirit like the Greek goddess Eris as she speaks about injustice to help others. She shows strength, resilience, and love. Now, while her story is intense, Her tone is kind, and her tips are really resourceful. She is full of insight both on this podcast and in her new book, Eris Rising. So please, grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to be here today and introduce you to Courtney Ram. She is a dancer. She's a yoga instructor. She's an Ayurvedic consultant, a master detox chef, and she is releasing her debut memoir, Eris Rising. She is amazing. She is heartfelt. She has been through so much, and this debut memoir is truly a necessary reminder of the resiliency of the human spirit. And Courtney is my newfound friend. I am so excited that you're here to join us, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here today on your show. Well, we had, we always have a little talk before the talk and I could, it's always fun when I do that with people that I don't know well, that I only know through social media or through their publicist. And I found that we have, I shed a few tears, which is is so me in terms of uh, having a good connection and having a really nice conversation beforehand. So this, this conversation for you guys, the listeners is going to be a treat today. I can tell you, Courtney is the real deal and like I said, I'm excited that you're here, but please, Courtney, tell the listeners something about you, something that might um, be fun or unique so that the listeners can get to know you before we dig in. Sure. Um, well, I will say that 
although my memoir deals with an intense topic, um, an experience I went through, I'm actually a really silly person. And I've always been that way since I was a little kid. I've just always been laughing and silly. And um, so I like to exercise. I'm a dancer. I like to exercise every day. But I don't like to exercise in like maybe a normal way, I'd say. So I do jump on my trampoline and use my hula hoop um, to fun music every day, every morning. So that's one silly thing about oh me. My but I, I try to find unique ways to exercise that are just fun and lighthearted. I love that. I really should get myself a hula hoop again because to your point, it's like this kid like wonder. And I know you have little kids, but you're not necessarily doing it for them. You're doing it for yourself. I'm sure it brings you a lot of laughs. It does, actually. So I would love to do it with my kids. When I do, they take over and they're like, I want to jump. I want to hoop. So I'm like, you know what? This is like when you're not around. Oh. <laughs> like when you're doing something else. It's my time. It's your time. You're doing it for yourself, which is so important. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know that we're going to touch on a whole element of, of self-care as we go through your story. Uh, but first, can you share with the listeners your story and what you've been through, because it's really intense. And the fact that you've been able to put one foot in front of the other through such challenges is really inspirational. Hmm. Thank you. So my memoir is something that I didn't know was going to happen. I didn't plan to write this book. I never knew that I would write a book about some kind of crazy experience that happened to me. But that's how life happened. And I felt compelled to share my story, um, which starts in a beautiful way. I mean, I was lucky to grow up in a wonderful upbringing with wonderful parents who were very supportive and encouraged me to go after my dreams, encouraged me to follow my heart and take my own path in life, which wasn't always the same as other people Mm -hmm. my age. uh, I was very interested in ballet, like, you know, encouraged me to pursue that until I was professional, um, which is a big commitment for a parent to really like dive into that. That's a whole, you know, financial obligation as well as time commitment. Um, so I was really just fortunate to, to pursue my dreams. And that led me actually all over the world. Um, by the time I was 25, I had lived all over the world. I lived in Singapore. I lived in Thailand. I lived in India. Um, I was working. I was teaching. I was also studying at some points different um, different healing modalities. I was just kind of on this like life journey, life path, which was very unique. And uh, at 25, I decided to move to Hawaii. I'm from New York City. As I mentioned that. So I'm from the heart <laughs> of New York City. I grew up in city life. And when I was 25, I was like, you know what? I landed back in New York at that point from all these travels, living all over. And I was like, I can't stand winter. I need to live somewhere warm. Um, I need to be in nature. So I moved to Hawaii. I had two suitcases and I didn't know a single person that lived there. Wow. And That's bold. I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I found a place to live on Craigslist and um, it ended up working out. Actually, one was very nice. She picked up from the airport and there I was. And um, it amazingly flowed. So I finally felt like I had actually returned home. I did all this traveling. I grew up in New York, but never quite resonated with the city aspect of it. And then I just landed like on this island and I felt like I was back home. And it was just a beautiful feeling and beautiful experience. And, you know, life happened and I was dancing and I was having relationships. And then um, I met this guy and there was this 
intense, like all knowingness between us. Like we had known each other for a very long time, although I had just met him. And there was a way he stared into my eyes, like with this deep penetrating stare, like non-blinking. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is like reading my soul. And I met him at a spiritual gathering and it was all these spiritual people and all my friends and he knew my friends. So I was like, well, this has to be someone that's a good person. And I um, entered into a relationship with him, which started off like most relationships do with that euphoria and that like oxytocin off the charts. And um, so it started off great. And I started to give my power away to this person because I had my own values, I had my own needs, and they weren't matching his. So I figured, well, let me just play by his rules because eventually he'll come around and change. So I started to do that. And can you give us an benefit. example kind of, of what oh, that might look sure. like? Just because I know other people may very well go through similar, similar stories. Sure. So right in the beginning of the relationship, there were other women involved besides me. And meaning he wasn't just with me. Okay. And that was and heartbreaking because not only was he not only with other women, but it was with one of my friends. And I found out through my friends. So you can imagine being that experience. Oh. Your friend is telling you about this amazing relationship they're in. I'm like, oh, who's that with? And they're like, oh, Marcus. And oh, I'm like, my. wait, the same Marcus? Is there like two Marcuses? And um, that was right in the beginning. So, I mean, major red flag, obviously. And I confronted um, Marcus about it. And he's like, oh, no, they're making that up. It's not true. And he had always had a story, always had an excuse. And I just continued to believe him. I mean, yes, it was very naive and very trusting. But that's in the space I was. I was a trusting person. I think I still am a trusting person. Um, Believing in the goodness of people. I never really had any severe traumas, um, like major traumas in life with my parents or with relationships, I just didn't know like that people could not be good. I just kind of felt people were good. Uh Um, (laughs) So it led me down a road of, um, you know, well, I'll just play by his rules because I know that we're destined to be together. I felt the karmic connection. I felt this chemistry and eventually he's going to realize it and we'll be together. So like, I'll just kind of play by the rules, get my heart broken, like, you know, 10 times. (laughs) I didn't know that (laughs) time, but, um, so I did that for a while or it all happened very fast. So I did it for a little while and, um, and pretty soon, um, we decided to leave Hawaii. Well, I should say he decided to leave Hawaii. And at that point I was actually pregnant and I didn't feel like I had a choice. So I, I did something that I, for many, for a long time after I did seriously regret um, which is I closed up my life. I had a business, I had a dance studio, I had a dance company, a nonprofit, closed everything up to move to Texas. Because um, that's where so, he wanted to go. Yeah. Okay. So it was a very, very difficult time because I felt this, you know, he promised we were going to be married, but the kind of baby's born and that's all I want. I just wanted to be married. I was like, I just want to do it in the right order. And, um, he didn't really believe in that either. So there's more details on that in the book. So you can pick yeah, that up. But, right, right, right. Um, so we ended up in this environment that was very unhealthy. It was um, a community where I thought it was kind of bad enough in Hawaii with all his ex-girlfriends and lovers and ex this and ex that. And it kind of 
it's a complicated story. I will say it wasn't, this isn't a straightforward kind of book. It's people have told me it's like kind of once you can't believe what happens next, it kind of keeps going down this rabbit hole. It got into a point where it was a very unhealthy situation. Um, and I'm trying to tell you the details without shocking anyone too much on this podcast, but, um, Whatever it was, you feel comfortable with. Right, it, it turned out to be quite an abusive situation. Um, and the betrayal that I felt that I did to myself by leaving Hawaii was mirrored by betrayals that were going on in this relationship. Okay. So, for example, like the, the friend, um, the Sarah being things that I told you about the friend and he was with the friend and, and I found out that was mirrored. That happened again later once I already had a baby. I mean, there was still affairs going on and it was very, very, very difficult to go through that when you have a new baby, um, to have someone confess to you that they're with your partner secretly. Um, it was just like one of those moments where you think you're going to die on the spot. So, I mean, there was that, and then there was that questioning of do I stay or do I go? I mean, I should just go, obviously, because it's a horrible situation. I used to have my life together and now my life's falling apart. But in the midst of that confusion and the highs and the lows that come with a classic abusive relationship, I was pregnant again. And I had a four-month-old and I was pregnant. (sighs) And then it was a serious problem because how do you leave at that point? It's like, I just have to stay. Um, well, and I would without, think the hope there, there's sorry. hope that you, you saw it. It sounds like you said in the beginning from your family, this beautiful family. And I can understand wanting that. Exactly. That was my dream of all dreams. Just like, can't we just be a happy, can we just be a happy family with these, you know, beautiful children. And I was going to do anything. And I did, I really stretched myself. I pulled out and I think I could find like my, like, you know, Google things on YouTube videos, how to like fold towels. Like I was really trying like this, this quality that I didn't really have, which was like my domesticness was not really developed since I was into dance for so long. I really tried. I was like, I'm going to be this perfect housewife, but it didn't help me. So, <laughs> so, so don't bother doing that. But uh, <laughs> when was it that you decided that you needed to make a change or how did it happen? So there was a point where I found out about the affair and I was trying to just deal with that, try, you know, I was going through every stage of grief and trying to forgive. It was really difficult that first month um, after that. And there was a point where I realized that he wasn't going to change and that this was kind of my cycle. Like I was, if I was going to stay in that situation, I was just asking um, to be cheated on again. I was essentially like going to just put myself in a position of being tortured for the next indefinite period of time. And the, the pain that that betrayal caused me was honestly, it was almost too much to handle. I, I really, I'm surprised. <laughs> I like actually made it through that in one piece. Um, I was in such a trauma, such a shock. And there was this realization that my soul is going to die. Like my spirit is dying. Like there was so little of me left. And the interesting thing is that I've heard from a lot of people in similar situations um, that stay in abusive relationships or whatever, unhealthy, talking to call it toxic relationships. They'll stay for years. And I totally understand why. I mean, I totally get it. It's easier to stay than to go. 
in my case, my whole experience, including the two children, was in 16 months from beginning to end. Wow. From meeting to to buy <laughs> was 16 months. So it was like this intensity that could have been drawn out over 10 years, pushed into condensed into mm-hmm. 16 months, which made it so painful. And at the same time, it was a blessing, right? It's over. But at the same time, it was that intensity yeah. of everything happening at the same time. Now, in you said it was so traumatic that you almost just, you have no idea how you got through. What, what would you, in reflection, wish you would have done or recommend to others that might be dealing with a toxic relationship now and questioning? Mm. Well, I definitely think it's important to seek outside help. Um, What's kind of funny about my situation is that um, my partner at the time, he was counseling me. So he was actually cheating on me and then counseling me to get over it. So it didn't really quite make sense. I mean, the counselor was obviously biased in the situation. So I needed to have outside help and I could just, you know, I've taken care of a newborn, new mom, nursing, and all that comes with that healing from the birth. Um, I did a natural birth that was kind of traumatic physically. um, So I was, I was kind of lacking in the outside help because I also, I didn't want to burden people with my problems, especially um, immediate family members, my parents. I didn't really want to talk badly about our relationships. I didn't want them to think badly of what I was going through and think badly of him. Cause I was in that, um, that mindset of, well, I need to make this work. And so I can't speak badly about him. I felt like this, um, what's the word? Um, I wanted to protect him, I guess. Yeah. Which is doesn't make any sense because I was hurt so much. But at the same time, it's, I think it happens to a lot of people that they into that mindset that's not quite, their head's not quite on straight. They've been brainwashed. They've been manipulated so much that they can't even think straight. So definitely the outside help, outside counseling from someone that has nothing to do with you, that's someone that has no bias. So I mean, a, a parent or you know, a sibling or a close friend is great, but I think even a step further and just professional counselor or someone who has no ties to the situation is essential to get that, um, you know, the, the thoughts clear, well, thought patterns clear. And I'll, I can look and put in the show notes or, or you can find your favorite organization later and we can add it in. There are all sorts of call line, like hotlines that people could still use. They, they, I'm sure they have it with texting too, but I feel like you want to, I would want to talk to somebody, talk it through that are anonymous so that that way, I mean, I understand. I, I think for friends, it's not a burden. They love you. They love me. They love whoever it might be, right? But I can understand why right. people would feel that way. So to have an anonymous number to call and to have those conversations, I think could be a, I don't know. It, it, it sounds like you're recommending that they talk to an outside source. And if they don't know somebody, they could probably start there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember, so I remember being in Texas and like trying to like Google like therapists and it was hard, you know, financially, um, I had given up all my work when I left Hawaii and I was financially dependent on this other person who didn't want to support me. So it was a problem. I mean, I was, it was an issue. So I definitely think, yeah, if there's free resources, I can um, help guide people too, because I mean, I couldn't at that point, you know, when this was happening, I couldn't even fathom spending a hundred dollars on a session because 
you know, it just at that yeah, time felt right. like, well, I can't do that. I mean, who's going to pay for that? So. <laughs> now, clearly you've gone through a huge transformation. Can you talk to us about the process? So you decided that you needed to move on for your health, for right. your life, for, for your kids. I'd love to hear, have you share that whole process. How did it work for you? Sure. So when I left that situation, I had um, a baby who was about to turn five months and then I was a couple of weeks pregnant. Um, so dealing with that and dealing with leaving that situation, it was not easy. I, I really do not wish this upon anyone. I hope that no one is going through something as intense as what I did, but I'm, I'm sure there are people. But it's one of those things like, yes, I'm, it did transform me and I'm going to talk about that. But at the same time, it's like, I hope people realize they don't have to go through something so hard to, to realize their, their full potential. But in a lot of people's cases, that's what happened. So um, the beginning was really hard. I will say that I had a lot of family support. So I moved in with my parents. I had my siblings uh, around the corner and I needed like full support from my family because the, the desire to go back to that situation and back to that relationship was so intense that if I didn't have my older sister be like, no, you're not getting on a plane right now. I probably would have done it. Um, even though I knew, you know, in my head, I knew that it was a bad idea. Yeah. I knew that it was a very dangerous situation. There was elements of danger. My life was at risk um, by the end. And I still, I didn't care. I want, I was like that drug addict kind of addicted to that, to that um, relationship. So. Um, and then the process of transformation happens slower than I wanted. So I'm a very like type A person with <laughs> to do list, uh -huh. like everywhere. <laughs> um, and I always like to have everything organized and, you know, everything on the calendar. So it's like, okay, I'm going to have two months to heal and then moving on. <laughs> so that's what I planned. I was okay. Like two months to get over this. I mean, it took, you know, 16 months all this crazy stuff happened. I have two months and I'm going to go back to life as it was before. And it didn't happen that way. It took, it took a year, I'd say to get over, um, to get over that person and to really feel like I could move on. And it was filled with a lot of, a lot of different things, which I'm going to, I can talk about, but there was, um, there was professional counseling involved, a lot of being in nature. Mm -hmm. So for me, just like, being in nature is such a healing gift. Um, so like going on long walks and not, you know, just being alone on the walk, their babies in their stroller, they're sleeping in the stroller, connecting to sources like the sun. I mean, it sounds simple, but like the sun is healing and the sun is powerful. Connecting to the sun, connecting to the water, the ocean, the trees, I, like drawing strength from the trees. <laughs> I completely relate to that. And What's interesting is as a little kid growing up, I used to not like to go to Carver Park where we'd go on nature walks or we would go on these mini field trips where we'd have to look at the bugs and basically connect with our senses. But now when I am needing some nourishment or some trying to heal, it is so calming to mm -hmm. actually make myself be present in nature. So I under I understand. I can connect with you on that. Yeah. Um so actually my dad was in the hospital at one point and he found a fortune cookie um, 
fortune. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like kind of mystic, mystic, and it said on it, nature, time, and patience are the best medicine. Nature, and, time, and patience are the best medicine. Okay, I love it. <laughs> so that was the fortune my dad found yeah, in the hospital when he was, long story, but that he was in like the ICU and that was in the cupboard of the room. Uh-huh. And we've all remembered that my family, my dad's actually passed away, but um, we all remember that quote. And I'm sorry. that I had to just trust it. Yeah, I had to trust that. And it, it's so hard to trust that because it's like, but patience, well, how long? Like yeah. forever? Yeah. Like this is my life forever? Um, so anyway, well, so yeah, that I kind of, sorry. You, no, sorry, you continue. Oh, I was going to say, I just have to keep that in mind of that fortune cookie. I just, you know, kind of ingrained that in my, in my cells. Like that's going to eventually one day I'm going to get through this. And I did. So there is hope for people who leave the situation that it's a different path for everyone. It's not linear. You can't put your timeline on it, but it, it will happen. And, and from one type A person to, you said it yourself, I'm not telling you, you are another type A person (laughs) having our lists, having our um, role models, having it like, Oh, it should take this long. I, I, I get it. It's really hard, but to travel the journey yourself and to just find glimmers of hope, like for instance, a wise fortune cookie, you know, it sounds silly, but mm-hmm. the little things I have found can oftentimes bring me, um, call it a little bit of positivity that make me feel like there's hope that I can put one foot in front of the other. Now, mm-hmm. you were a dancer. You are a dancer. Did you tap into any of that art to help you heal through that intense year after? I did, yes. So I will say I, I was, you know, pregnant for um, nine yeah. months uh-huh. and then had the newborn and the one-year-old. So actually I was in that, even in that um, time of being pregnant, I was going back to teaching. So I went back to teaching dance, teaching ballet, and teaching yoga and Pilates. So teaching gave me this gift of forgetting about my problems uh-huh. because when you're like, when you're teaching, you have to be present with your students and you just kind of take yourself out of your own mindset, take yourself out of all your struggles and your stress and you're there for someone else and other people. So actually teaching, teaching yoga, teaching ballet, especially to the kids, teaching ballet to kids, it just gave me this time to, it was like, I thought of it as my vacation. I would go to work as my vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Especially, sorry. That's a beautiful thing. I mean, everything you just said, I'm sitting there writing it down because I think it's, it's very telling about you and who you are as a, as a soul, but it's also great advice because when you're going through hardship, you got to work through it, but also you need a little bit of a, a break. And this is a constructive break too. Yes. I remember I, I called a friend who's um, a mom of four little kids and we, we were dancing ballet together years ago. And she also was teaching in a different city. And she's like, oh yeah, keep, when I leave my four kids, that's my vacation, like teaching. <laughs> so I, I thought that was so funny. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's right. And like, I have to look at this, like my opportunity. Um, my mom watch the kids, we get to go out, you know. <laughs> 
um, and be in that teacher role, which you know people are looking up to you. And so it also helped me rebuild my self-esteem um, because after what I went through, I actually, my self-esteem was completely shot. Like I had so little self-esteem, I pretty much thought I was completely worthless um, after going through what I did and ending up a single mom, which is my worst fear. And then it happened. And I really struggled with that, that sense of worth and being in the role of teacher and being able to share my expertise that I had trained in for years was a way to very slowly rebuild my sense of self and, and heal my spirit. I'm, if, is it right for me to say I'm so excited for you that you have been able to come full circle to a place like ballet, dance meant so much to you, as you said, as a kid, and it's continued to be something through your life that's been important. And now to tap back into that when you're going through part of the hardest times of your life, it really, I'm excited that you were able to find that in your transformation because it, it sounds like what you're doing now and being able to share this story, which I've got to imagine writing it must have been incredibly painful. Like here we're talking about it, but we're not going really granularly deep. <laughs> How is that to write? I mean, was that cathartic for you? Are you, and now talking to me on the podcast and to other folks as a part of your book tour and book launch, how is that going? Well, okay. So writing about it, that's okay. so I waited, I didn't write for a year. Uh, I had that first year and it wasn't, again, it wasn't something I planned out, but for, it took a year to really just, survive and go through that transformation, that transformation, just like that caterpillar turns transforms into a butterfly. butterfly. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not fun. I mean, maybe it's fun for them. I don't know, but <laughs> it's not um, pretty. Um, so I had to really like go through that pain, go through that, that struggle to transform that. And then it was just about a year um, after I left the, that situation that I felt inspired to write about it. So I was like, okay, I'm talking about it in therapy and everything, but I feel like other people need to know this. Um, cause part of what I went through and I talk about in the book is that I was very suppressed. I wasn't allowed to talk about, um, what had happened. We were actually living on a religious community and I was told by the head of this community that you can't talk to anyone about what happens. Like that's, you, otherwise you're out of here. So I was very suppressed. My voice was suppressed. It was painful to be suppressed. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start writing what happened because it's fresh in my mind. And I know that if I wait any longer, I'm going to forget about this and I'm going to want to move on. So I felt like I had to write it yeah. um, when I did, which was a year after it all happened. Um, and I made a commitment to write every day. And that was hard, you know, with, with a baby. I had like, yeah. you know, four month old and a, I don't know, 17 month old at the time. And there was so many excuses and so many reasons not to write the book. <laughs> and like so many things. I and mean, I got into a car accident at one point. Um, my dad ended up passing away suddenly. I mean, like major things. Yeah. Like, okay, I can't write. Like I, I hurt my back. I can't write. Or my dad passed away. I can't write. I mean, it was like, I had so many reasons not to write. But yet I felt like, calling and I felt this inner inspiration like if I don't do this now I'm not going to do it and there's something in this story that's going to help other people um so I just continued to do it and 
it took a little less than a year of, of writing every day. And there's a feeling that when you finish, it's just like the best <laughs> feeling in the world. Like, oh my gosh, I just wrote a book. Last chapter, okay, not to be edited, but still that feeling of like, whew, like it can finally like, you know, something that's complete. There's a completion um, euphoria, I think, that yeah. happens. I, I I mean, I get that. I know with, with my book experience, well, well, different and obviously different topic, there is something about when, especially when you've gone through something hard and to be able to share it and complete it. You Not only did you complete the task, mm-hmm. but now it's it's in this picture, not a picturesque gift to share with someone else and to bring some good into what was a horrible experience. Yes, that was, that was my, my goal is that I went through something awful that I wouldn't wish upon anyone. And how can I take something that was like, I felt like it was like a poison in my life and then turn it into medicine for others. That was my, that was one of my goals was like changing poison into medicine. Um, because there's gotta be something out of the situation. that's not just, okay, I went through it. I'm going to move on, but how can I take that? And like, connect to other people. Cause I know there's so many other people I was, I'm always surprised to hear, but then I'm starting to be not surprised when other people are like, Oh my gosh, went through the same thing. Or I was with someone very similar and they can't really, um, relate. You know, it's hard to talk about this openly. So having the book is a way to share that with others. And the title is Eris rising. What does that title mean to you? So the title came at the end. There was a few different titles floating around for this book. Um, I really wanted to know the title. Cause again, that kind of like type, like, I need to know the title before I start writing, yeah. but I was like, okay, the title will come. <laughs> need yeah. to relax. Um, and my mom is actually a big astrology student, lover, fan. I mean, she really could be an astrologer herself, but she calls herself an astrology student even though she's like 70 years old. Um, so she's, <laughs> she's, she's been that astrology track when she was a teenager. And she's always telling me about things to look up and like different things going on with the astrology. And sometimes I was kind of like, okay, mom. Okay. It's like, thanks. It's kind of brushing it off. Um, Cause it's like my mom. So, you know, you kind of just want to yeah. like brush that off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. But then, <laughs> but then eventually when I was going through this, healing process um after that intense relationship she kept saying look up eris look up eris i was like okay mom like later you know next week i'll do that later <laughs> and so finally I was like, okay you know what she's bugging me i'm just gonna look up eris and so i was doing some research on this planet so eris is actually a planet and it was discovered in 2005 and as part of our solar system so when eris was discovered it kind of sent all these waves to the community, uh, astronomy community, because Eris is the same size as Pluto. But yet Eris was made a dwarf planet because of the size. Uh-huh. And then after that, um, Pluto was made a dwarf planet. So actually Eris and Pluto are very similar in their size and composition. Um, so that's one. So Eris is a planet. Okay. And in terms of astrology, Eris has an archetypal like representation. So Eris represents the feminine warrior spirit and this warrior spirit for soul intention. So like, what is my soul supposed to do in this life? Wow. And yeah, isn't that deep? That's wild. I mean, I'm, I'm speechless. 
<laughs> and so finally you look this up because your mom's been telling you to telling you telling you to look at it and I'm assuming you stopped in your tracks felt so connected I did exactly I I stopped in my tracks I I kept um yeah reading and so basically she Eris is the one who speaks out against injustice and is determined to balance the scales and that's what I felt like I was doing and in, in just writing. I yes. felt like I had to speak out. Wow. <laughs> that's really beautiful. Wow. That's really beautiful. <laughs> I am, I mean, I, it sounds from what you've shared with your story that your family was such a huge part of your healing. And I mean, I know I'm so grateful for my family as well. On the podcast a few weeks ago, I was interviewing slash having a conversation with my husband and I think of whether it's for us, you know, our family here or our extended family, like my mom, his mom and dad, my dad, like my, my sister, his sister, like they've all been a part of, uh, you know, our cancer journey. And so Mm. I know that family is, or even the family that you create, not everybody has family nearby. So having that you know, choose your own family, like close friends that become family is so important, I think, in the healing game. But um, speaking of games, I end every podcast (laughs) playing the, what we we call the grateful game. Now, I know that your kids are young, and so they're probably too young to do something with, but my son's 11, and since he was nine, before we go to bed, we have a conversation about gratitude. And I love it because it's not necessarily about the big things because clearly that's important. It's really about our day. What do we do during our day and trying to find good in it? That way, no matter how hard the day's been, we're always able to grasp a little bit of positivity. And that to me has been helpful in my healing journey. So my question is, would you be willing to play with me? Yes. Of course. Okay, good, good, good. So I will start. I'll give us about 30 seconds. And let's see. And you weren't good set. Go. I will have to say I am so grateful that we have connected here on the podcast. I, like I said, didn't know you well before just through your publicist and social media. And your story is amazing. And your heart is so beautiful and pure. So I'm grateful that you're here on this podcast sharing your story and through the book, you're going to connect with so many people. Uh, So I'm grateful for that. I am grateful to my friend, Laura, who has been helpful um, picking out a few. She's a stylist and she's offered to help me out. She's got a company, um, my styled life. And so I'm wearing this super cute and comfortable sweatshirt now that's bright pink. If you follow my Instagram at Pretty Wellness, you might have seen it that says choose happiness. And I love it because I feel like I look a little bit put together, but yet I'm in my cozy, comfy, bright and happy, you know, call it spirit wear. Uh, so I guess I'm only at two and I probably went over 30 seconds, but those are some <laughs> things that I'm grateful for today. I'm tossing it to mm-hmm. you. That's beautiful. Um, okay. I am grateful for blue skies because mm-hmm. I'm in California and we've had gray skies for like, it feels like forever, yeah. but it's been a couple of months of smoke. So I'm always grateful now for clean air. It's just, That's, I don't take for granted. Yes. Um, and I'm grateful for my beautiful children and for all the light and joy that they 
emanate that reminds me that that's who we truly are on the inside. Oh, that's, I mean, that, that's, to me, that's what it's all about. And I'm not saying that I always, I have hard days where we all do. I'm human. We're all human. But to focus on what brings us joy, I think is key to having the life you want to live. And so Definitely. sometimes you got to know that. And hey, when we go through hard times, it, every day isn't necessarily a parade as much as my husband tells me that. I'm like, I love the parade. I want the parade. It's not always a parade. But I do think that being able to find <laughs> things, like in this case, you're talking about your children. I, I, I feel the same way about my own or just dancing. And before this call, I was telling you how I danced in the kitchen with my dog for a moment. Like <laughs> having those moments can really help when you're having a hard time to put one foot in front of the other. So I want to thank you. We tied um, two and two, but it's never about winning or losing. It's just about playing. It's about tapping into gratitude, which is something that I truly believe in. And so for all the listeners out there, I hope that you take a moment uh, to think about what you're grateful for today in the moment right now. Take that moment. It will hopefully make you feel better, especially if it's something that you do regularly. So again, Courtney, I'm so excited about your book, about you being there to provide this inspirational story to others, Eris Rising. And where else can people find you? I know that on you're on Instagram, I believe Facebook as well. How would they follow you? So you can go to my website, which is CourtneyRam.com, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-R-A-M-M, or on Instagram, which is Courtney underscore Ram. Um, those are the two main places. You can also check out on Facebook, which I don't use as much, which is Courtney Ram author. And I will definitely have these links in the show notes so that people can connect and and further your story. So again, thank you everybody for being here today. Have this conversation with the two of us. And please know that wherever you are in life right now, hopefully that you're able to put one foot in front of the other, tap into some of those self-care modalities that Courtney mentioned earlier, whether it was touching base with in nature or doing something you love, like to her, it's dance. Um, and to me, hey, as I, I'll always say, it's talking on the phone with friends. And that's why I love this podcast so much is because after this conversation, I feel like we are good friends. And so everyone have a great day. I'm wishing you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us too. If you like us, they might as well. And now, my parting words. We play the grateful game at the end of each episode, and here is why. After my second diagnosis, I started to research who was thriving with cancer and what they were doing to be well. I learned that wellness is about consistent self-care, creating everyday practices that help improve your body and mind toward a state of good health. And for me, focusing on gratitude brings tremendous positive energy into my life. 
This is why my son and I play the grateful game most nights. If nothing else, it brings a smile to our faces. This is why I play with all my guests at the end of each episode, because even though some of their stories are intense, like Courtney's today, or Jenna's in episode eight, who lost her husband in 9-11, or Michelle Tafoya in episode two, who shares her journey with infertility, or so many of the guests on this show and friends in my life, or I'm sure in yours as well, I believe we can all use a little gratitude practice in our life which is why I am challenging you to take two minutes in your day. It could be now, or it could be at night before bed, or maybe even first thing in the morning, to just be present. Grab a friend or family member, you can do it in person or virtually, and talk about what you were grateful for and why. Now, I'd love to hear what you're grateful for, so please connect with me. Tag me on Instagram at Pretty Wellness with hashtag Grateful Game. And hey, I'll repost and chat back. So thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.